This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teach Your Eyes podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As podcast will highlight innovative practices and uncommon parallels in education. I want to start with a really great write-up about Father's Day by two of my students, Leah and Elena. Father's Day is a very important holiday for many reasons. Fathers are important to us because they are loving, silly, kind, helpful, supportive, and many more reasons. But when was Father's Day created? Well, Father's Day was created on June 19th, 1910. Who made Father's Day, you may ask? Sonora Smart Dodd was the one who created Father's Day. What makes a good dad? A good father is a father who is kind, supportive, silly, fun, loving, makes dad jokes, and so much more. How would you describe a good father? I thought that was adorable. And so here are some more of my students sharing their thoughts about Father's Day. Hi, this is Nikki. What I think makes a good dad is a dad that teaches kids how to play sports and a dad that supports his kid whenever they're feeling down. Hi, this is Cam. Something that I think makes a good dad is a dad that supports his child, watches him do fun things, and takes him out to go swimming. Hi, this is Clara. What I think a good dad should be is one that spends time with his kids, is patient with them, and loves them more than anything else. Hi, this is Owen, and something I think an all dad should do is to have fun with their kids and always be able to do what they want. They shouldn't have to think about what they need to do. A good dad should not be bossed around. Hi, this is Brendan. What I think makes a good dad is a dad that spends most of his time with his family. I think a good dad is a dad who is kind, loving, caring, and funny. Happy Father's Day! I want to thank my fourth graders for sharing their thoughts about what makes a good dad. Speaking of good dads, I thought the best way to celebrate Father's Day is to replay my interview with my dad, Lester Fleischman, uh, from last August. So without further ado, happy Father's Day to all fathers, including fathers of doggies and kitties. My husband, Josh, was an amazing dad to our cats, Hawkeye and Dudley. So fur baby daddies are just as important. So happy Father's Day. Enjoy the interview. From a classical pianist in his childhood, to the Navy Steel Band, to music educator, my dad has great stories. In this episode, you will hear just a few. I am proud to say that Lester Fleischman is my dad, and I know watching him teach shaped me in many ways. In addition, watching him leave to play gigs when he was tired and his back ached is a vivid memory from my childhood. He did what he had to do to provide for his family, and I am forever grateful. Dad is 85 now, and I'm so thrilled to have him on The Teacher As, to share and inspire. I did have to talk very loudly into my microphone so he could hear me. I lowered the volume, but at times it does sound like I'm shouting. My dad, at one point in the interview, refers to his agent passing him a note. That was my mom, of course. Thanks, mom. Here's some background before the interview gets started. 
My dad was in the Navy and was thinking about becoming a professional jazz musician when he got out, but he realized it wasn't for him and decided to be a music teacher instead. I'm very happy that happened for many reasons, but the most important one is he met my mom while he was studying to be a music educator. Please enjoy my interview with my dad, Lester Fleischman. Thank you for sharing your story with the teacher as listeners, Dad. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened after you got out of the Navy? I decided, I think I would like to teach music. I applied to something that could be near home. I don't I can't remember why I ended up with, at that time, Lowell State College, but I do know that um, they gave me a state scholarship to drop my tuition to $100. So the school seemed to be a good fit for me. And while I was there, I also was able to play professionally at night. And the, the more I got involved with some of the classes, the more I knew I wanted to be a teacher, especially when I went out and student taught. And I think student teaching is probably the most important of educating a teacher. They have to go out and try to teach. You learn a lot that way. I was very impressed with student teaching. And by the time I was finishing that, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Tell us about your first teaching job. My first teaching job was in Narragansett Regional High School in, what was it? Baldwinville? Templeton, Massachusetts. They offered me an elementary te- music teaching that they didn't have. They were, I was going to start the program. And I started the elementary music program. And I was the only teacher. And I went to, uh, I think, four or five different schools. I was happy with it. I knew that as soon as my wife graduated with Linda, which would be the end of that year, she was going to come and live with me out there. And as it turns out, I got a job in Templeton as the director, <laughs> the director of music, although there wasn't that much to direct yet. And she came out and taught in Ashburnham, and she was very happy with her job, and I was happy, and I was enjoying teaching even the elementary kids. Then the following year, I was asked to start high school music program and they had a gentleman at the high school and he was going to start the band that year and uh, to be as polite as he could he really had no idea what he was doing and he would be the first to admit it so I said well as director of music I'm going to take over this high school band and uh, you can go guarantee elementary. And I did band, and I said, we got to have a feeder band. So I went down and started elementary instrumental teaching. I taught all the instruments and the junior high school. And these were going to be, in a few years, my high school musicians. And sure, they were. And the first time we actually had a high school band perform, I couldn't believe how many People were amazed how they could play that well in such a short time. Now, I felt very encouraged. And the following year, I ended the band in some contests. And 
which we won. We won the uh, marching, the marching band, Gardner. Who we won, we won their band contest. That was it. I went to the superintendent, who was a very good friend of mine. We used to play golf together. That's unusual when a teacher plays golf with a superintendent. But that's the way it was in that town, friendly. And I got what I needed. And the following year, I needed a little more. And they started talking about, well, money's tight. And I think the following year, I left right in the middle when I had an offer from uh, Wahlberg and RJ in, there in Worcester. And they would come out and do demonstrations and for the rentals, for the instruments. In the third year, I went into McNamara and I said, listen, you've got to give me a pay raise. I mean, there are people doing nothing compared to what I'm doing now. And they're making more money than me. He says, I'll go to the school committee. The answer was, not this year. And I had already been talking with Wahlberg and Roger, and they said that they'd love to have me. I uh, worked in, uh, they had manufacturing upstairs and a nice retail store downstairs. And I got to meet a, a couple of very famous professional guitarists who, when they were forming in the area, came in there and tried out my instruments. And I, I enjoyed that job, but taking orders, writing orders, I got tired of it. Then Phil Saltman came into my life. Make the story short, I went to, I had been a, a pupil of Phil and was in his beginning years as a summer camp. Uh, and I told him that the situation was, and he said, why don't you come and teach in my studio? And I said, uh, I said to Linda, we'll have to go move to Boston, which we did. And while I moved to Boston with Linda and taught with Phil in Boston, I got my master's degree at Boston State College. I think that's what it was called. Then. They all got different names now. Uh, and then I had a master's degree and Sharon came into the picture. I think, it, I think it was like 25 years, and I did the same thing in Sharon. They had no band. They had, the chorus was like 15 people. It's not just you go in there, you tap your stick and say, okay, you practice your music at home, let's hear it. That was terrible. Let's go on. That's the way I saw a lot of band directors who were just out of college doing, teaching their bands, and I got the opposite way. With the uh, parents, they started a uh, band parents association and provided money for where I eventually was able to drive up to New York, up the state, to buy used band uniforms. And I brought them home, had them all piled up in the back seat. And we took the dog up, so the dog had a ride in the front seat. <laughs> then we had to bring all the uniforms into the music room. And then we had the kids try it out, and they could play their instruments. We put the band together in high school. I, I hope, I hope, in saying all I said, you'll get my philosophy of being a good teacher and being a good 
band director, even the choral, and the choral director, same thing. You can't just wave your sticks and tell them this is where you start, this is where you start. We've got to go further into it. Let's say I had 30 kids in the band class, and uh, the clarinets are, they're all following the first clarinet, who's very good. I'm giving you just an example, and they're following her and doing a lousy job. And I got the feeling after a while that she was getting sloppy because she heard it being sloppy with the rest of them. I I sensed that. So I said, I'd say, okay, I'm not going to ask you to do it all at once, all, you know, by yourself, because there's your major embarrassment for some kids. Instead, I had them as a group, and I could soon hear who was having a problem. Then I would say, okay, let's cut you in half. We had three clarinets here, three clarinets here, and would so-and-so play with them. She's the leader. And I manipulated her around, and soon these kids were reading the music right. Not perfect, but that's why they played second or third clarinet. They were good kids, and I didn't. The last thing I wanted to do was lose them because they're good kids, and they seem to like being in the band, and I'm sure they were doing their best but maybe they're not practicing enough at home. When you're in a classroom, there's a different scenario going on, but in bands or course, or anything where you're teaching a group to work as one, you the only way you can make them work as one is to take your best and let them help you teach the other students. And I found that more often than not, it worked beautifully. One of the reasons why I was attracted to being a band director was, of course, that I played in a band where everyone could play well. And, of course, you know, in the Navy band, they, they were almost as good as professionals, some of them, most of them. And when we rehearsed, they, no problem, really. Maybe run through it once or twice, and everybody's got their part. But I knew from student teaching, that's not the way it works. When I, when I did district Samsworth, they're just, you know, or, or musical high school organizations, and they have a festival, and they send the schools who are in the uh, organizations send their best to uh, perform. So I'd, then they would uh, spend a weekend with a concert on a Sunday night and rehearsing there. And, what I learned there was what was going on around me in all these different districts. Some terrific band directors, terrific. And I was conducting the Simsma band in the back, standing with the drum section to help them along. And what I heard from the drum section was, was terrible. And I said, I've got to... I've got to go back there because I played the drums in the Navy band for about three years. And I went up there and I showed them things. Just backtracking for a second. I learned to play the drums because I played at the, and then at the Navy School of Music in Washington. Uh, I was a piano major and a drum major. So that when I went out and joined a unit band, I was able to play the piano with the band, the orchestra. And if we played 
like the marching band outside, I would be the bass drummer, which I liked. I enjoyed it. I got the cymbal and I could play the bass drum with my knee. So it would be like, dun, da, 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 bang, boom, boom. Laughed at me, but I could do it. So anyway, I really felt that a lot of young band band directors just out of college, a year or two, someone doesn't teach them things. I mean, even if you were a trombone player, you're going to go direct a band. You've got to know how to play. You have to know something about the instruments that these kids are playing. I remember you basically being able to pick up any instrument and play it. Was that because you grew up playing the piano and that can translate to other instruments? Did the piano assist me? It assists me in reading music. I mean, I didn't have to start from the beginning, but when I looked at like uh, clarinet music and that note was two lines above the G clef, that's a high note in the clarinet. But I recognized it right away as a, the note, it, its name. I knew it was C. What is a kid who's never played piano? What does he know two lines above the, the uh, G clef? How do I finger that note? Because the first year or so, all you learn to play is do re me, you know, on, the, on your instrument. Right. Of all your teaching career, what is your proudest moment? Uh, the Narragansett Regional High School Band made its debut in Gardner and bought in a festival parade. And there were some bands that were, you know, experienced, the seniors and juniors. But again, I learned how to march. I learned how a band should form. The guys who, most of the guys, I should say, who were directing the other bands is good as they sound they were sloppy as marching bands because their director didn't didn't know i'm sure if he knew he would have done things like you don't put a four foot nine kid in the second row behind a six foot trombone player in the front row things like that you know uh, or you don't put a little kid at the end of your line because that's your you're guiding person. You kids look out of the corner of their eyes. They have to go looking for the kid. Where is he? Oh, there he is. And, you know, it, so it's things like that that I was proud of the fact that when my band marched and I gave them very easy music, nothing that uh, was challenging. In other words, I would have had them, except for the for the march that I wrote, which was easy, simple. So. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't have had them play anything harder than that because I wanted them to feel confident about what they're playing and concentrate on the fact that they are a marching band. And I had a kid, he was about six foot five. He was sort of a jangly, awkward kid. But I wanted to know, could you keep a beat? And we bought a big, tall baton and a hat. And he had his uniform, and one of the mothers made something else that goes over his shoulder, and he looked terrific. And he was in front of the band with using the baton. And I taught him how the band has to make a move to the left. You know, you 
you point with it. I just don't have everything to do about age. Is it because I experienced it for so many years? Huh? From the Navy? From the Navy, yeah. Winning, winning that trophy. It was like an amateur band against professional bands. Well, one of the judges told me, he said, uh, we appreciate what you were doing. It was, it was like a professional band. And I said, it was like a Navy band. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We were good. And I feel proud of that. That's awesome. You obviously made an impact on many musicians. So here's my last question. What is your favorite movie and why? There are a couple of movies that I would pick because of the soundtrack and the music. But if it comes to a storyline, Song of Love, Back from the Forties, Story of Schumann, His Wife, His Children, and uh, Johannes Brahms. And that was the movie that I think made, made an imprint on me more than other movies. Entertain me, I love them, this and that. But that movie stuck with me. I have a note here from my agent. Uh, if, you ever, if you ever were to ask me what individual made me into a musician, Monty Nelson, oh, there's no question. I won a scholarship when I was seven years old. Something that I don't know if you're born with it, but when I auditioned for Monty to see if I can get a scholarship and study with him, and I knew he was a constant pianist. He had played with the Boston Pops. I auditioned for him, and I won. I got the scholarship to him. He said, you play like a musician. And then he went on. He taught. He was my teacher. This about when my father died, 14. So I'd say I was with him at least seven, maybe eight years. And yes, there's no question in my mind. He made me a not only a good pianist, but he taught me to play musically. It sounds like he might have taught you how to teach, too. He might have. Yes, he, he could have been an influence. All teachers, if they're good, are a big influence. Thank you, Dad. This was a wonderful interview, and I'm so glad that the Teacher Ads listeners get to hear you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad we, did, we didn't have to use masks. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher Ads podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you zooming in on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.